1: A pleasure on the live line right now to welcome Dr. Robert Falcone. He's CEO of the Columbus Medical Association. And, uh, Doctor, I imagine you, like uh, seemingly just about everybody on the planet right now, celebrating this morning that story that uh, Battelle is going to be able to sanitize masks. As I understand it, they were only approved originally for 10000 a day. Now it's up to 80000 a day. And I know from what I'm reading about uh, people working in the medical profession, it's still, you know, Maybe not a drop in the bucket, but probably still not as many as they need, but it certainly will help.
0: Uh, Good morning, Joel. Yes, it will. Uh, And uh, actually, their top volume, if approved, is 160,000 a day. Each mask can be uh, re-sanitized 20 times, and there are several units, so that 160,000 a day is per unit. Uh, it will be a dramatic game changer.
1: No doubt, no doubt. I can't imagine uh, being in your shoes this morning. I mean, you have so much information coming your way. I mean, I'm on some level as a doctor, and you know, being the CEO of the Columbus Medical Association, I'm sure you got to be fairly fleet of foot when it comes to hey, here's the new thing we're dealing with. But uh, this coronavirus, I mean, the information is almost overwhelming.
0: It is. Fortunately, we've been planning for pandemics as a community. Uh, Central, uh, southeastern, and central eastern Ohio uh, since 2007. Okay, so this is not this is not new to us. Uh, the potential to be overwhelmed is new to us. Yeah, and you're right. We are up to our ears.
1: Talk to me about that. You know that that potential for being overwhelmed. Um, you know because you look at your job. I mean, most of us when we get up in the morning. I mean, I know a lot of us now are working from home, but you kind of know what you're up against every day. Hey, I got a 9:30 meeting. I got to have this project done. Got a conference call at three. Whatever it is, you in the medical profession today, it's almost like every day you wake up and you're not sure exactly how big the job is going to be. I mean, how do you keep morale up uh, when your crew is facing that every day?
0: I think that uh, we are fortunate to be surrounded by professionals uh, who have trained, who have prepared, and have and are not neophytes in in uh, uh, these types of settings so they're doing a good job of keeping their own morale up our biggest concerns of course are making sure that all our employees have suitable personal protective equipment and uh, like everywhere else, that is becoming a struggle.
1: Yeah. So, so tell me, I mean, kind of uh, the snapshot of where we are in Ohio this morning, we keep hearing Dr. Amy Acton talking about the peak maybe coming uh, late next month or into early May, uh, you know, 8,000 to 10,000 new cases. Uh, that's got to be incredibly daunting as a medical medical group.
0: It is, uh, but our our community is really well-prepared. All our hospitals, uh, both in central Ohio and in our southern and eastern regions, have uh, implemented what we call a level one surge. What that means is that we empty beds of people that don't need to be there. Doing that, we make about 2,000-plus beds. Uh, Our level two surge is ready to go, and what that means is each hospital, each facility, uh, takes beds that are normally not used for inpatient care and makes them inpatient beds. You know, that's another uh, couple thousand beds at least. Yeah. And then we have a surge three capacity that we are about ready to stand up. And that uh, the initial capacity there is going to come from the uh, Columbus Convention Center. And that's going to give us at least a thousand beds or more.
1: Gotcha. So, I mean, it sounds like you know, you're making room, which is good. I guess the next logical question then is do you have enough staff? to handle that many people in that many different remote locations?
0: At this point, we do. Uh, That could change. Our biggest problem with staff is that they tend to be exposed to COVID and are then sent home. We're looking for a solution to that that will perhaps give us a better idea of who really needs to be at home and who could be working. Uh, We also have uh, an opportunity to to, uh, chase down volunteers and retired uh, staff members which every institution is doing as we speak.
1: Dr. Robert Falcone, our guest, he's CEO of the Columbus Medical Association. Uh, When you talk about that, you know, uh, bringing people in that are retired, you know, used to work in the system, don't any longer, uh, what's the training curve for someone like that?
0: Well, unfortunately, it's going to have to be steep, but it will be be defined. Uh, We'll be careful to shepherd people through the process so that they're not left alone. And they may be doing uh, providing care for uh, mildly to moderately sick people rather than the people that are moderately to severely sick.
1: Gotcha. so so what you're hearing then, doctor, um, you know again, Dr. Amy Acton uh, talking about maybe eight to ten thousand new cases a day sometime around the first of May. Uh, what you know about this uh, this virus, how many of those people are likely to get to where they need care from your staff? You know your people um is it is it five percent, ten percent, twenty percent? What do you think?
0: Well, somewhere between twenty and forty uh, percent of those people will require some hospital care. A very small percentage of them will require critical care and an even smaller percentage of them fortunately will die.
1: yeah, that in is Ohio, the...
0: I'm sorry, in Go Ohio ahead. right now in Ohio right now we have sixteen hundred and fifty three cases in it, last night. And of those sixteen hundred fifty three, four hundred are in the hospital. Uh, One hundred thirty nine are in ICUs, and twenty nine have died, and that's statewide. So you can kind of see the flow of cases to hospitalizations to ICU death.
1: Yeah, and and is there a way to typify the people that get to that critical care, and then and some unfortunately perishing? Is you know, is it still uh, our nation's elderly that are most afflicted?
0: Elderly, immune compromised, uh, chronic illness. Unfortunately. And the reason we're so paranoid, it's also apparently affecting young, healthy individuals. And that makes us all very nervous.
1: No doubt. So, I mean, what can we possibly understand about a virus that impacts young, healthy individuals and uh, our nation's older and compromised people? Those two things don't usually go together in the medical profession, do they?
0: They don't go together in pandemics. Uh, We've had four major pandemics in the United States uh, in the last 100 years. They have all been influenza A. So we are quite comfortable predicting outcomes for influenza A, uh, making vaccines, and taking care of those patients. COVID is not an influenza uh, virus, so we are learning on the go.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's so hard. You know, just me personally, I I read what I read, and I look at it, and, you know, you you see things like there's going to be a lot of people that will have this virus, and the symptoms will be so mild they might not even be aware of it. Um, you know, I guess it's because I'm trying to focus on the positives of it, like, hey, this won't be so bad in that. But then, you know, when you hear stories like that, that it's impacting our nation's elderly and young, healthy people, uh, it just causes you to pause and say, man, I'm not washing my hands enough.
0: Absolutely right. And I think in addition to washing your hands frequently, if you are sick, stay home. Uh, If you are seriously ill, uh, or getting worse, call your doctor. They will arrange to get you into the appropriate facility, get tested, and get treated. Uh, but uh, the first and most important thing is if you're sick, stay home. If you're well, stay away from other people. Yeah, Wash your hands. Don't cough in public, at least
1: not in the open, perhaps. Right. It's, it's so tough uh, to not want to at least go out to the grocery or drop by the, uh, the pharmacy because it's a little bit of a diversion, uh, those kinds of things. When you, when you play it forward, Um, You know, when you're looking into a later part of next month into early May, uh, is is the feeling within the medical community still like that's going to be the peak time, and once we get to maybe mid-May into early June, uh, we should maybe start to feel a little more like normal?
0: Well, we are thinking that it's going to peak, as you described. I'm not sure when we're going to start to feel like normal. Um, China, if you can believe their numbers, Took four months to flatten their curve and get to the point where they dramatically decreased the number of, uh, of patients. We are about two months in on our cycle.
1: Yeah, two months in. So, uh, again, you know, you, you keep looking for nuggets of, uh, you know, uh, upbeat, uh, good news, uh, happy, but it seems like right now it's just kind of staying in place. And if you haven't uh, figured out what your new normal is, uh, probably better do it because it looks like another four to six weeks.
0: Uh, I think at least. Uh, Fortunately, our federal government and uh, Governor DeWine and the state government are working very hard to support working people during this time of stress, and I think there'll be some good things coming from